Well, welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast and uh, what a week it has been and what a day it has been. We are recording this on Tuesday and I'm driving up and I've got all these plans. Uh, actually, I was walking up and uh, all these plans to talk about, you know, what we had just experienced at the combine and the draft and then, whoa, baby, my phone started blowing up. And first you got the news that uh, you're going to get Aaron Rodgers back with the Green Bay Packers. Um, and that was fun. I was like, oh, boy, OK, it doesn't really surprise me. And then kind of came the shocker for me. I, I kept thinking that most of these quarterbacks were going to stay put. And then Russell Wilson in a trade with the Denver Broncos now is a Denver Bronco after Seattle basically had come out what a week ago right at the beginning of the combine and said ah come on we're not going to trade russell wilson we went through this last year get out of here stop this we're not we're not going to do this and then they did it and now the deal's done and and now the afc west is just loaded for bear i mean the afc west and nfc west i may have to get a condo in california or something next year just to keep up with all the uh the the west coast games we're going to be doing but joining me to discuss my two uh combine partners as well trevor sikama brad spielberger and uh brad you were the one first of all who on the last podcast I did, now I've been playing hooky a little bit here lately. I, you know, after the Super Bowl, I was had to go to Hawaii and have some fun too. But you're the one that said that we were gonna see Aaron Rodgers go for two hundred million dollars over four years. And ding ding ding, you called it on the button, apparently. Now, are you working for Green Bay or what are we actually talking about here? No, not, no multiple jobs there. Just thought that $50 million threshold was going to be pushed past, and it uh, looks like you got it done. Wow. I, I mean, it is it is amazing. Um, and I, I always forget, I talk to so many of you guys all the time. I don't know if it was you also or somebody else that said, in reality, like, don't tell anybody, but according to PFF numbers, if one of these quarterbacks were to get $75 million of the $208 million salary cap based on the significance and the war and the wins above replacement and all the things that we do that's not out of whack for the value that some of these quarterbacks bring so now tell me we'll start with aaron Rodgers. is this actually a bargain for the two-time consecutive mvp of the national football league yeah, you know, frankly, I think it is. Uh, last time he signed an extension, he pushed the market by 15% in terms of the per year average. This year with, with Mahomes going from 45 to 50, it's only about an 11% raise, only about 11%. Um, so yeah, it's not even the standard kind of market reset at the position. And, and it sounds like he is very intent on helping Green Bay manage the salary cap in 2022 and 2023 to help them bring back all of his teammates and make another run at the Super Bowl. He does want to help them and is going to go out of his way to make sure they have flexibility. Now, how much of this do you think was, oh, what a good guy Aaron Rodgers is? And how much of it do you think he's looking around and he's going, do I really want to go to the AFC West with that corral of quarterbacks out there? But Tom Brady just retired. Who knows if that's permanent or not? We're getting hot and heavy rumors about that one now from Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians. But he's out. 
And now maybe unbeknownst to Aaron Rodgers at the time that he signed this deal, the whole Russell Wilson deal was coming down, but maybe he did know. It's, it's possible in this world of agents and swapping talk and all that stuff that if, if in fact, that Aaron Rodgers re-signed with Green Bay, that Russell Wilson was going to go to the AFC, and all of a sudden we're down to just a handful of viable teams in the NFC that could actually beat the Green Bay Packers and keep them out of the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, it could really just be him and, and his old buddy Matthew Stafford with the Los Angeles Rams. And I guess I'll phrase my answer as a thought experiment back to you. Okay, so I think Derek Carr is the fourth quarterback in the AFC West. Where do you rank him in the league? 12, 14? Like, it's crazy. It, it is crazy. And I, and I think the same thing kind of applies when you're talking about the NFC West. I mean, it is, it is one heck of a league. And I, I – I sort of grew up in the era where all the strength of everything was in the East coast, the NFC East, the AFC East. We had the North, the South, you know, there were real powerhouses and the West was always, you know, they were there, but it wasn't, you know, you had San Francisco that had their great run, but it was Pittsburgh. It was Dallas. It was green Bay. And now it's just for whatever reason, the West is just like ruling the roost at this point. So it is crazy, but um, Trevor, then we got the news about Russell Wilson. And after all that, the Russell Wilson deal, apparently now, and again, this is all still breaking pretty quickly here is that Russell Wilson is going to the Denver Broncos in exchange for quarterback Drew Locke, tight end Noah Fant, a number one pick, and defensive lineman Shelby Harris, who arguably is the best player of those three that are listed there. He's a good player and two first-round draft picks and two second-round draft picks, and they flip-flop a fifth and a fourth with um, with uh, the Seahawks. So that is some that is a quite a load to be heading back to Seattle. But based on the discussion that we were just having about the utter value and only a handful of these true difference makers at the quarterback position, who do you like coming out of this trade? Yeah, honestly, uh, it's it's decently even, I think. I, I think it was a pretty even trade all around. I think that, you know, a lot of people could say the Broncos obviously got a steal with Russell Wilson getting him because he's the main player. And, um, you know, it, a lot of people said, well, this isn't an even trade because look at what the Seahawks gave up for uh, Jamal Adams a couple of years ago. They gave up two first-round picks, so this feels like the Jamal Adams trade. And I, I would say back to people, that's that wasn't a good trade so you can't you can't you don't really want to use that as a bar because that was not a very good trade if you can stomach the fact that the Seahawks moved on from Russell Wilson I think the value makes sense some people would have been like oh look at what the San Francisco 49ers gave up just to go up and get Trey Lance last year right it was three first round picks but one of the first round picks was a little bit of a swap and of course it's an unknown and it's also a quarterback on a rookie contract which i think is a really really big deal because when you look at russell wilson i think brad you can you might be able to correct me here but i think wilson has an out in his contract something sometime soon but no matter what you're doing with russell wilson you're always going to pay him top dollar right that rookie contract portion of his career no longer exists so you have to factor in 
that you're going to be paying Russell Wilson a crap ton of money over the next couple of years, however long you have him into the trade discussion. So if it was for a rookie contract, sure, you could probably get a lot more back for him. But the Denver Broncos, for as much as Russell Wilson, obviously, is, is like you guys said, so paramount to success. I think that there comes a limit to where the Broncos would or the Seahawks would just go, okay, give us five first round picks. And the Broncos are just like, okay, we're not going to give you five first round picks. So like, let's actually have a conversation here about it. And I think it gets to three pretty good players, two first round picks, two second round picks, knowing that the Denver Broncos also now have to dedicate a large chunk of their salary cap to Russell Wilson. And I think it was an even trade with an asterisk that is of course, I don't think the CLC Hawks should have traded Russell Wilson, but if you can get past that part, the price tag was pretty even for me. You know, Brad, one of the, the interesting parts about this is generally when you trade a franchise quarterback and expect something in return, you go, well, what difference does it make? You know, I made the trade of Matthew Stafford, but they go out and win the Super Bowl. So I get the 32nd pick, which is like getting a second round pick. But with Denver, I don't know that you can really say that because the AFC West is so loaded. They could still finish in last place with Russell Wilson playing quarterback because of the rest of that division is so strong. Yeah, I mean, he did get hurt and missed a couple games, but the Seattle Seahawks gave the New York Jets the number 10 overall pick in this year's draft. So, you know, there is no guarantee it's going to be a super late pick just because you have Russell Wilson, especially, like you said, once you factor in where he's playing. Uh, you know, there, there are obviously factors with this thing happening, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, there's, you know, Javante Williams, there's good players uh, in that, with that Denver offense uh, out there, uh, but he had really good receivers playing with him in Seattle too. Um, so now it comes down to, and what we had always heard about with this offensive line in Seattle was that, ah, oh, they never spend any money. And Russell Wilson, that was sort of the beginning of the whole debate. And, you know, where was this whole thing going to go? You just wonder, is this offense that much better than, than what he was with? And are we going to see that much of a difference here? We know what Russell Wilson is. He's a movement guy. He's a deep dropper. He's going to buy time out there. It's going to be uh, much less of a sort of, catch it and throw it kind of kind of thing and Nathaniel Hackett, right? So you're going to get a little bit of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson now playing in the same kind of offense. And does Russell Wilson take a year much like Aaron Rodgers did to sort of get used to wearing blinders, maybe going under center a little bit more, some of the, you know, the outside zone, the play action, the bootlegs off of that, how long does it take him to adapt to that kind of style of offense? Yeah, I think that when you look at the situation with the Broncos, you guys are right. Nothing's guaranteed in this league. Now, Russell Wilson makes the Denver Broncos a contender immediately on paper. You could put the Denver Broncos, especially with the rest of that roster, up against anybody. But we know that the margin for wins and losses is slow, so close in the NFL that, yeah, you can drop a handful, especially in the first year when it's not just Russell Wilson's first year in the system. It's also Nathaniel Hackett's first year as a head coach, right? And so that goes into it too. There's no guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs and make a deep run. And that first round pick is going to be super late. So it might be a little bit more of a process just because you can't use what Tom Brady did in Tampa Bay as the bar or the expectation. I think that that was 
pretty special what he was able to do in a brand new system. But there's no doubt about it that I think the team is going to play really well with Russell Wilson. And I think, you know, part of the struggle with him over the last couple of years, because people would point out, hey, Russ hasn't been as consistently good as you would have wanted him to be. There was definitely a lot of things going on behind the scenes, right? I mean, like his just his relationship with Pete Carroll. And I'm not saying that it was terrible, but there was clearly something that was bothering Russell Wilson in Seattle when it came to input with roster building and just how much control he had over the offense and maybe how much they trusted his word of what they should be doing. And there seemed to be that power struggle there. So if there's a better relationship, then you might get a better Russell Wilson because the offensive line in Denver, it's not perfect, but it's better than what they got in Seattle. The running backs that they got in Denver, better than what they got in Seattle. So like, even when they're running the ball, right? Even when they're taking it out of Russell Wilson's hands, he can probably convince himself that, okay, Javante Williams and the rest of that running back room, those are good options to have the ball in their hands. And then when he's throwing it, of course, you've got Corlin Sutton, you've got Jerry Judy, you've got KJ Hamler, you got Albert Okwebunam and plenty of other offensive weapons that you're going to bring to the table. So Russell Wilson, no doubt, makes the Broncos a Super Bowl contender on paper. But there is a lot of stuff that has to happen, of course, to eventually make that a reality. So uh, answer this question, then. Why does this make sense for Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll's not getting any younger, right? You would you would think in the same sort of way, maybe with letting Tom Brady walk out the door in New England, that didn't go so well, right? I mean, and if you're Bill Belichick, yeah, maybe you found in Mac Jones the future and you're going to build it up. And but you know, you're an older coach, and and both these guys have great legacies. They're Super Bowl champions all that sort of stuff. But are you really looking to start a rebuilding kind of program in Seattle? If, if you're Pete Carroll, that is the part of all of this that confuses me the most because me Pete, too. Pete Carroll's 70 years old. He's turning 71 during the season. I think he's got three or four years left on his contract, but uh, we were sitting here thinking, okay, you know, we're, we're in the twilight of Pete Carroll's coaching career. Like he's got to be close to hanging it up at some point. And to me over the last one or two years, I'll say, when I heard the rumors of Russ being disgruntled and Russ maybe wanting out, the big reason why I thought it would never happen is because I thought Carroll maybe only had a year, two, three, maybe max left in the league, and he wasn't about to go draft a rookie quarterback and spend his last year coaching with a rookie quarterback. So that is without a doubt the part that is so confusing to me, unless Carroll really thinks he's going to coach till he's like 75, because these moves make it look like Seattle has this five-year plan with whatever's going on with the current decision makers. And I understand that you're always planning for the future, but that is truly the part that confuses me the most is Pete Carroll signing off on this because we know he has a lot of control on what goes on with the roster, what trades are made, everything like that. And for him to truly be okay with this, I got to think maybe Carroll's staying around a little bit longer than we thought. I mean, to me, the other part of it is I can't imagine, Brad, that there's a quarterback in this draft that they're going, oh, man, this now gives us a chance to trade up and go get this quarterback to replace Russell Wilson. Do you think this is a two-year play? Do you think it's now we're going to load up our draft picks and we're going to take advantage of the fact that we can move all the way up, no matter where we finish next year, we can move all the way up into one of those top picks to draft one of these great quarterbacks not coming out this year, but the following year. 
Yeah, no, I do. I think that is certainly possible. They obviously now have the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. So maybe they are in love with a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett. But I think the more likely scenario is, again, not tanking, but they just want to see what their roster looks like, give a lot of young players a lot of snaps, including maybe Drew Locke playing quarterback for all we know at this point, with the plan being, like you said, if we love a guy next year in the 2023 class that has C.J. Stroud at Ohio State and all these big names, if we want to make a move, we can then go ahead and do it. The Chris Collinsworth podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. And while you're focused on your roster moves uh, throughout the course of football season or basketball season, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Think about it. If you're buying your first home, if you're planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow a little bit, all those things very important. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on your game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. And good news, we've got uh, 25% off any PFF subscription right now if you use code Collinsworth, C-O-L-L-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H, 25% off. And what do you get with a PFF subscription? You get all of PFF's locked article content. That can drive you crazy. NFL draft guide, you get that, and that lasts throughout the course of the year. And if you time it just right, sometimes you can log into a little bit of next year's too. Completely unlocked mock draft simulator, which is fantastic. It's one of the coolest tools in all of the internet. And if you're a, even if you like the draft just a little bit, you're going to love playing with that mock draft simulator. The 2022 free agent rankings, which helps you understand what's happening in all free agency and some of the movement that we'll be talking about all during the day of this podcast and for many more to come. Big news today. And data and grades from the entire 2021 season and so much more. Support the podcast and all the fine young people working around here and use promo code Collinsworth for 25% off any sub. You know, Drew Locke is a, I remember him coming out of college and, and he was a good deep ball thrower. He was, he, he, he could get the ball down the field. I don't know if this means Geno Smith. I don't know if this means Drew Locke. What does it mean for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? You know, as you look at where they're going, is this Pete Carroll taking back control of this offense finally because pete has always been one of those guys that you go hey i i really would like to run the football and play action pass and play defense uh they made the change on the defensive side with ken norton um you know is this a if i'm going out i'm going out playing pete carroll football which is conservative on offense run the football play great defense under my system that I'm going to now take control of. I, I mean, this has to say something bigger than I've got Drew Locke and, and Geno Smith playing quarterback for me this year. Yeah, you no, want I agree. This, I think you, oh, go ahead, Trevor. I was just going to say, you want this to, to just, you've, you've got to have the same 
mindset for whatever this trade was. You've got to, you've got to, you can't be split at all whatsoever. It can't be, you can't be acquiring talent to win right now and then also making moves for the future. Like it has to be all in one sweeping motion. You have got to have the right plan and you've got to make the right moves that point to the same direction in order to make this trade completely worth it. Brad kind of was talking about it a little bit there. Shoot, they got the number nine overall pick, at least we think they're going to get the number nine overall pick with this year. We think it's their first round pick this year. You could take the number nine overall pick and shoot, you could trade it all the way back into the twenties this year. And you could say, Hey, just give me your first round pick and your second round pick next year. Then all of a sudden Seattle's got three first round picks next year, three second round picks next year in a draft class that we think might be a little stronger than this current one. So then all of a sudden you really might be jumpstarting things because if the quarterback class is better next year, well, then you got the ammunition to move up down wherever you want to for that quarterback class, the running back class. I know Pete Carroll likes to hear this is a lot better next year as well. So maybe we get a little Bijan Robinson from Texas in Seattle at some point in the near future, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. You just, no matter what you do, the arrow has to be pointing in the same direction or else this trade, no matter what the compensation was for it, will not be worth it in the long run. Yeah, and, and I, I could completely buy into that if I had a 40-year-old head coach. Right. You know, I mean, that's the part. I mean, you know Pete Carroll had to sign off on this, right? I mean, there's no way he didn't sign off on this. And Trevor, to your point, maybe he is, maybe he has a seven-year deal that, that I don't know about and that he's going to be around and he's going to rebuild it. And, you know, he's a great football coach. And maybe he finally got to the point where, and, and I, I base, I tell this to coaches and, and when they ask me, you know, what do you think? And I, you know, and I've been around every program that there is, I always say, there's nothing wrong with failing. But fail being you like, like, don't, don't, don't get beat trying to be Vince Lombardi if you're not right. Just if you're going to fail, fail being you. And for Pete Carroll, I just wonder if he looked at this and said, I've kind of tolerated something against my instincts for the longest time, how we play offense, how we play defense and no more. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to go out firing the bullets from my gun and if it fails, so be it. But that's what I'm gonna do. Hey, he uh Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll went shirtless to stand next to DK Metcalf last year at the combine. So maybe he thinks he's 40. Like maybe Pete Carroll still thinks he's 30, 40 years old. Or maybe whatever. he is so, 40 for all I know. I have no idea. <laughs> Wikipedia have has been wrong before, so maybe he is 40. <laughs> uh, Brad, you you follow all this stuff closely. Did we see, was, was there a hint of this? And now I, I will freely admit after working until the middle of February on the Super Bowl, I was ready for a little break and maybe I haven't been following the news quite as closely as I might've been. Were there signs indicators out there that it, it, I, you, I, everybody had to assume that Aaron Rodgers was their number one target in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett and the whole thing. Were there signs that if that didn't happen, that the Seattle Seahawks uh, and the Russell Wilson trade was in the works? I think it starts last offseason. I do. I think there were a handful of signs. Last offseason, as every team needed to get under the salary cap with the cap dropping, they were adding void years to free agent deals. They were restructuring contracts, doing all these things. Seattle reworked Dwayne Brown's deal, left tackle, 
reworked safety Quandre Diggs' deal, and all their extensions last offseason included void years. The only contract they did not touch or rework at all was Russell Wilson's. And what that does is, now that they have traded him, they don't have some massive dead cap number that comes associated with that because they weren't willing to kick the can down the road. So I think that was a big signal. And I also think his agent going out and listing four teams he'd be willing to go to if hypothetically he was moved, I think said a lot. I think it showed that, look, Russell Wilson, I do think wanted to leave at times and, you know, express frustration over, as we talk about Pete Carroll's way of playing football. I think over the last 12 months, Seattle also got to a point where they were comfortable moving on from Russell Wilson. I know our coworker, Doug Cog heard from someone in the league that they said, basically as much as he wants to leave, they want him to leave as well. I mean, he thought this was potentially coming. As for Denver in particular, like you said, I think once Rodgers was off the table, and as we saw today, about 20 minutes later, then Russell Wilson was their number one target. Uh, if you could back up just a little bit and help me understand the, the contractual part of this, like what does this now mean for Denver uh, with with that contract, as I assume Russell Wilson is going to get a new deal, right? Uh, that's the way these things usually work. And what does it mean now for Seattle and their contract situation going forward? Yeah, so a two-year, $51 million contract is headed to Denver with Russell Wilson, like you said. I would imagine that gets extended maybe this offseason, or maybe they try to emulate the Matthew Stafford trade last year where they said, look, let's get one season under our belts, and then we'll you know, discuss an extension after that. Um, but as for Seattle's perspective, what I was trying to break down was – when the Eagles traded Carson Wentz, he left behind almost 34 million, what we call dead cap space. And essentially, signing bonus that gets paid out up front, but that is prorated over five years of a contract, does not travel when you get traded. And that also applies to restructures. So we see all this news about restructures, and everyone tells me, oh, Brad, the salary cap's fake, and none of it matters, and all that. It does matter. The, the salary cap is a credit card. So eventually, the bill does come due on the cap. And so by not restructuring Russell Wilson, the Seahawks still do have $26 million in dead money associated with Russell Wilson. But for example, if the Atlanta Falcons traded Matt Ryan right now, they would have over $40 million on their salary cap going to Matt Ryan for him to play for a different franchise. So the signal to me was just Seattle was unwilling to take on more of a financial burden by restructuring him, which I thought left the door open for a move like this. So you're saying that 208 million in salary cap this year, minus 26 million is the starting point for the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. So that's, that's where they are for this football season, yep. but they don't have anything going forward. So again, if you're going to sign, Oh, you know, draft a quarterback next year, for example. So you get by with Geno Smith and Locke for this year. They basically go in with full salary cap, uh, armed and ready, additional draft picks, armed and ready, a very young team, probably a very young quarterback and an equally young head coach to, to lead the way. Yeah, 100%. And the counter would be the New Orleans Saints will still be paying on the salary cap. We'll be paying Drew Brees this season in 2022 because they decided to always kick the can down the road and always not pay their credit card bill. And look, to each their own, if that's how you want to do it, go ahead. But the Seattle Seahawks chose short-term flexibility and being able to turn things around quickly. So Drew Brees is making that little 
bit from NBC and then he's still, <laughs> I'm like, why are you working, dude? <laughs> What's the matter with you? And then, what? and then Sean Payton, when he saw the bill, he's like, nah, we're out of here. We're doing the I'm old, go to the, we're going to the, we're, I'm doing the go to the bathroom and sneak out the window thing. That's what Sean Payton did when he saw that come out. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question too. Let's does Sean Payton have any ability to roll back into Dallas if it doesn't work out with the Cowboys this year. I mean, that's always the rumor, right? That he's going to go home to Dallas. Does any of that, what happened can, would the saints have to let him out? I assume they would to get him off the hook, right? So the saints would still control his rights, but what happens there we've seen in the past is if the coach steps away and then comes back, it's kind of like Robert Gronkowski, right? When he came back to the Patriots, he basically said, either trade me to the Buccaneers or I'll just stay retired. And I think Sean Payton in the same manner would say, trade me to the Cowboys. I'll also tell you this, the Miami Dolphins, there's a rumor that they went after Sean Payton. I believe right. that to be true as well. Um, he would come back and say, look, I can stay retired. I can go make more money on Amazon or whatever I want to do. But if I come back, can you please trade me to you know, the Dallas Cowboys? And it would just reduce the trade compensation, making things easier for both parties. Wow. The beat goes on in the National Football League, and we did not even talk about any of the combine stuff. We've got all this draft stuff in front of us. We've got free agency coming up. And then lo and behold, while I'm walking in the studio, my telephone is blowing up with all these deals that are going down here. It has been an amazing start to this offseason of the National Football League. Guys, thanks for helping me break it down. And, uh, Maybe eventually we'll get around to the draft. I just don't, don't know when at this point. So thank you guys. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you.